Good morning. The Old Testament reading for this morning is from Psalm chapter 51, verses 1 through 5. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Good morning. Good morning, Highlands Church. It's always a blessing to, to be before you to bring the word. Uh, as Mike mentioned, uh, Jordan and Mirabel are out of town this week. Jordan is at a pastor's conference, and so we just pray traveling mercies for them and uh, that they would, en- they would enjoy their trip. It would be a peaceful, restful time, and that God would bless them and keep them. Uh, there is a word from the Lord this morning uh, coming from Romans chapter 7. <clears throat> And it starts at verse 15. Hear the word of God. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do, not, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Father, we thank you for the truth of your holy word, uh, that you truly have washed us with your blood. And so we ask that you speak uh, truth to us this morning through the power of your Holy Spirit and your word. Um, Direct us, Lord, convict us, strengthen us, and lead us in the way that we should go. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, over the past few years, I've had the opportunity to do prison ministry, and it's been a very interesting um, experience seeing God work in men's lives in that setting. One of the most interesting joys I've had the opportunity to witness is seeing men on the day of their release. It's always the same. They get all their belongings, meet their loved ones waiting for them. And they make a beeline for the outside world with no looking back. 
And this is what we would expect, right? In these years of doing this, I've, I've never seen a man that has been offered release decide to stay in prison. That would be asinine. That would be backwards. That wouldn't make sense. Yet this is how some believers approach their walk with the Lord. Paul expresses this battle in our text this morning. He says, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Have you ever experienced that? I sure know I have. He goes on, I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Paul talks about the battle with our flesh, with our sinful nature. Every believer has been there, no matter how much you try. Uh, there are times where we struggle with the, the submission to habitual sin. And some things just seem to overpower us. You love the Lord, but there are some things, some actions, some habits, some desires that seem to just linger, that seem to overpower us, that are just hard to fight. And if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we don't want to fight them, and we just give in. At times, it feels like you're fighting against your own body, against your own self. As I was meditating on this text, it made me think about seasons of my life and prayer and, and journaling where I have, I have written down, I feel like two different men fighting over control of the same body. The message paraphrase sums this up very well. It reads, it happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel. And just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? And so when certain sins gain mastery over us, this can be very discouraging for, for a myriad of reasons, for dealing with perhaps secrecy and feelings of shame and, and feelings of guilt and feelings of, of being overpowered because we know that Christ has offered us another way. And to that end, just a few weeks ago, we celebrated the greatest reality in the universe Jesus' glorious resurrection from the dead. We've had our Easter services and had our meals and went through our liturgies. But, but now what, Highlands? How do we apply the truth of the resurrection to our daily lives and the daily reality of fighting sin and gaining mastery over ourselves? How do we go beyond a, a trite remembrance of the resurrection because without it 
we are nothing. Indeed, in his institutes, John Calvin says, by Christ's resurrection, we have the complete fulfillment of salvation, for through it we are reconciled to God. His righteous judgment is fulfilled, the curse is removed, and the penalty paid in full. And so how do we live this out? How do we experience this in our daily lives? We're going to take a moment this morning and and look at somewhat of a mini-survey through Romans, but also look at uh, three points or three implications that the resurrection has for us. And so the first one this morning is this idea of being forgiven. So being forgiven. We have been forgiven in Christ. Now, I know this is something that all of us knows, but it's good to come back to the basics at times. We have been forgiven in Christ, right? Uh, True forgiveness, right? right? Not superficial forgiveness, right? There are different levels of being forgiven. When I, when I think about forgiveness, I think about, you know, times where um, we're at home and, and sometimes the kids are messing with each other and playing with each other. And one of them, you know, takes a toy from the other one and one pushes the other one and they, they all come to us. And, you know, we, we bring them together and we make them say sorry. And, you know, you know it's, a, it's a sorry. You know, it's through their teeth, you know. Say I forgive you. I, I forgive you, you know. And so... Right, right. It's it's forced, right? It's it's only because we're making them do it, right? And as soon as our backs are turned, uh, they're back to doing what they did before, because that that's not from the heart, right? That's just because uh, they did what we told them to do, and so we understand that that happens at times, right? There's a superficial uh, level of forgiveness, right? And some of us, I would imagine, have been through situations in life where we know what it's like to have another person, uh, even in adult relationships, harbor bitterness towards us. And that's not good. That can strain relationships, right? We know what it's like at times to try to move forward in relationships with people, but there's, there's something there. Perhaps we've done something or said something that has strained their relationship, and, and that makes it hard. But, but, but God doesn't offer us superficial uh, forgiveness, but true forgiveness, full, complete forgiveness. So your relationship with the Lord does not have to be strained. One reason we stay in bondage to sin is, is um, our shame and our guilt. We sang about that this morning, that Christ gives us freedom from that. These feelings keep many people in bondage for many, many years. Sadly, uh, you're stuck in a sin and you feel bad about it and you feel you believe the lie that you can't talk to anybody about it. So you just go back to the same old thing. But but our Lord has died and risen from the dead to put an end to that pattern in his people's lives. In him, as we have sang this morning, you are not condemned. You are truly and fully and completely forgiven. To say it another way, you have been justified. Earlier in Romans in chapter 5, Paul makes it clear that in Christ we are justified. Now that's a, that can can be a complex theological term, but in the simplest uh, manner, it means that we have been made right with God. We are on good terms with God. The punishment and the judgment for all of your sins has been handled and taken care of by Christ. 
And because you have been made right with God, you can have peace with God. Just statistically, I would imagine that there are some people here this morning who haven't had peace in a long, long time. So I want to remind you, I want to reiterate that. Because you have been made right with God through the cross, you can have peace with God. Some of us have done things in life that we look back upon that bring us shame and guilt. I know I have a few. I'll be first to admit that. So just take a moment and think. Just take a moment and think to yourself. Is there something that you've done that you can't let go? Something you've said? A decision you've made? Something you watch? Someone you've hurt? If you've lived long enough, we all have something that we look back on or can look back on that can be a source of pain and can possibly bring shame. But praise to our God that as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. And so in Christ, you are not your sin your sins do not define you. Why? Because God sees you through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so unlike children who need to hear sorry first or need to be prodded to give superficial forgiveness, God offers his forgiveness to you first. God offers his forgiveness to me first. He seeks us. And I'm so thankful of the truth of the word that we're only able to love him because he first loved us. And so here's our first application point. In Christ, God does not hold the penalty of your sin against you. So don't live with shame and guilt for things that God has already forgiven. Understand that in Christ, you are justified. Even on a daily basis, when you fall, as we all do, don't wallow in shame. Don't get stuck in guilt. Stand on the truth of God's word, that if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Any sin, any unrighteousness that you're dealing with, God is faithful and just and will cleanse you from that sin. Confess your struggles to God and confess your struggles to people that you trust, knowing that you are forgiven. There is no fear here. The enemy thrives in isolation. People believe the enemy's lies when they live in isolation, when they, when they push themselves back from other people. But when you open up and let light into your darkness, that kills shame, that, that kills guilt, that kills fear. And you live and experience the Lord's love. Confess your sins. In Christ, God does not hold the penalty of your sin against you. So don't hold it against yourself. Even though you may have consequences in this life, relationship or Miss opportunities or what have you. In Christ, you are right with God and your eternal life is secure. So don't live with shame and guilt. 
for things that God has already forgiven you for. When we think about the battle of sin, praise God that we are forgiven, that we are forgiven, and we are also freed. We are also freed. No matter how stuck you may feel in Christ, you have been freed. In Romans chapter 6, Paul addresses this issue by asking the questions to his readers. Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Sadly, believers in Paul's day were using grace, or rather abusing the grace received by Christ as a license to sin. Christ has paid the penalty, that's the thought, so I can keep doing whatever I want. But don't we do that today? Don't we do things like ask for forgiveness before we could commit a sinful act instead of turning away from our sin? Uh, Sometimes people say God knows my heart uh, as as a cover-up when we should be fighting our sinful desires and pushing away against our sinful actions. Plain and simple, we as the people of God abuse the grace given to us through Christ. And instead, at times, choose to live in bondage to sin. But Paul's response is simple. Uh, Are we to continue in sin? He He says, by no means. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? How can us as the people of God who are dead to sin still live in submission and being okay with habitual sin? Indeed, this is because because of new life, because new life in Christ also means death to sin. New life in Christ also means death to sin. This is our spiritual condition. Paul says in Ephesians, he teaches us that unbelievers are dead in their trespasses and sins. Unbelievers are dead to God and stuck in bondage to their sinful desires. However, our situation has been turned around. It has been reversed. Indeed, in Romans 6, 5, Paul says, For if we have been united with him, with Christ, in a death like his, surely we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Just as Christ truly died and was raised from the dead, this is your spiritual condition in him. We have died to our old nature. We have died to our old fleshly sinful nature and have new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, desires still remain. Yes, propensities still remain, but you have the ability now to fight against them and gain mastery over them, and gain mastery through the power of God's spirit over the course of your life. And so that's why Paul says in Romans 6:11, consider yourselves or see yourselves as dead to sin, dead to the bondage of sin, dead to the power of enslaving sinful desires, and alive to God 
in Christ Jesus. I have seen men's lives change doing prison ministry and addiction ministry just by truly letting that truth seep into their hearts. See yourself as dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Indeed, you are a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now our struggle is how to live this out well, how to experience this, because, in fact, our sinful desires do remain. But you are a new creation, dead to sin and alive in Christ. Which brings us to our second application point. In Christ, God sees you as holy and righteous. So approach the Christian life as one who has already gained victory over sin. Not as a victim, not in a hopeless manner, but as one who knows that their soul is already eternally secure. One day, you will be absolutely sinless in the very presence of God in the new heavens and the new earth. The writer of Hebrews is clear. In Christ, you have been perfected. That's your position. You have been made perfect. And at the same time, you are being sanctified. At the same time, you are being perfected. Right? In one sense, this is your position, and at the same time, God is, is, is working in your heart and working in your mind to align your life with your position in Christ. And so God desires to make you in practice what you already are in Christ. God desires to make you in practice who you already are in position. So approach the battle with sin this way, in your prayers as one who has the victory, in your attitude towards God, one who has already set you free and wants to see you free as a loving father. Approach the Christian life as one who knows that they can achieve victory over sin. Approach lying this way as one who can overcome that vice. Approach jealousy this way as one who has freedom in Christ. Approach pursuing freedom from pornography this way as one who has freedom in Christ. Approach freedom from greed and ungodly desires this way as one that has already gained victory over sin. Yes, the flesh still remains. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can grow in godliness. And so because of the cross, we have been forgiven. And we have been freed. And we should also strive to be filled. We should also strive to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, all of us that are born again have God's spirit living in us, and it's our duty to submit to his guidance. In this thought, I just want to look at a simple truth from Romans chapter 8, verse 11. 
We know that the spirit of God lives in us. And the way that Paul words this, I can't find a better way to, to, to just take this in and celebrate God's goodness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now, the resurrection is the greatest event in world history. And Paul teaches us here that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in us. Hallelujah. If you have been born again, this spirit lives in you. This resurrection power lives in you. No matter what vice may be in the back of your mind right now, what you're struggling with, something that feels insurmountable to you, I want to speak to that point. This power in Christ lives in you. Just like the Spirit gave life to Jesus' limp and lifeless body, the Spirit provides spiritual life to us. The Spirit, God's Spirit, provides the ability to live the Christian life faithfully and gives us a desire for godliness and holiness. And so here's our third application point. We know we've been freed. We know we've been forgiven. Submit to the Spirit's guidance to experience victory over sin. This is how we experience the newness of life that Paul talks about. In Galatians, Paul reminds us that if we walk in the Spirit, then we will not gratify fleshly desires. If we allow the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to lead us, then we won't live in bondage to sin. So pray and ask the Spirit to lead you. Heed his convictions. Follow his encouragement. Follow what you know is right and run from what you know is wrong. Paul says if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. This is a military term, like, like keeping in step or marching along in formation with the Holy Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, since we have spiritual life through God's Spirit, let us now then, on this side of the cross, keep in line with the Holy Spirit. Since our life is in the Spirit, let's keep in step with him. Let's align our lives with his pattern. And so Calvin speaks again. Through Christ's resurrection, righteousness was restored and life raised up so that thanks to his resurrection, this power manifests its efficacy in us, in me and in you. And so in summation, Paul entreats us in Romans chapter 12. He says, based on the mercies of God, in light of all that God has done for you in Christ, 
He calls us to give our very selves as living sacrifices to God. God sees this as holy and acceptable. And he says, this is your spiritual act of worship. He goes on. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't follow in the pattern of the world around us. Don't be like those who don't have God. Don't act like those who are dead in their trespasses and sins. But be transformed, be changed. How? By the renewal of your mind. That by testing, that by going through the situations and the issues of life, you will discern what is the will of God. And you will experience in life what is good and what is acceptable and what is perfect. You have been forgiven. Christ has covered your shame and guilt. It is gone. You have been freed from bondage to sin. You are dead to sin and alive in Christ. And because of this, you should strive to be filled. God has given you his Holy Spirit. Let him lead you into a life of increasing and continual victory over sin. You have been released from the bondage of sin. Keep heading towards holiness. Make a beeline and don't look back. Let's pray. Jesus, let no vice or sin remain in us. We thank you that because of your work on the cross, uh, we have already gained victory over sin in our lives. Help us to experience this in our daily walk. Search our hearts right now, Lord. You have searched us and known us. Search our hearts right now, Lord. Show us what grieves you and lead us in the way everlasting. It's in your name. Amen.